We take a closer look at the Big Ten with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com. Wisconsin in action, as usual, at noon Eastern time. Does Wisconsin have a reason to feel slighted at number nine in the first bowl pool? I, yeah, honestly, I, I think so. You know, it's it's not just that they're number nine. It's that they're behind so many other one-loss teams as an undefeated team. They're 8-0, and I get the committee's thinking in that if you look at Wisconsin's schedule and who it's played, it hasn't. It doesn't really have a signature win. I mean, honestly, at this point, the best win that Wisconsin has is either Northwestern or Florida Atlantic of all teams. So I, I get why there's skepticism about the schedule, but I also think that if anything, you know, Wisconsin's problem this year, from what I've seen, is it comes out kind of sleepy in the first half, and then the second half it makes its adjustments and puts its opponents away. I have a feeling now that after seeing it start open up at number nine in the first set of college football playoff rankings. We might see Wisconsin start maybe focusing on not just beating these teams, possibly destroying them. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if over these next few weeks and today against Indiana as well, we just Wisconsin comes out quick and just continues to compile on its lead. We've seen Ohio State make a run to the playoff after an early home loss. Are they now primed for another? It looks that way. I mean, that the win over Penn State last week is huge. Because they still have, obviously, they still have Michigan left on the schedule later this season, and that's going to be a big game. But nothing from what we've seen of Michigan this year really makes me believe that it's capable of beating Ohio State. And you look at the rest of the Buckeye schedule. They've got Iowa on the road today. They get Michigan State at home, which they should win. Then they get an Illinois team, which they should crush at home. And then they finish up with that road trip to Ann Arbor. And then they're likely going to get Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. So if this Ohio State team wins out, just history suggests that even if it's at number six right now, it's going to move up because there's a very good chance Oklahoma could lose today. So that moves it up to number five right away. And then you look at Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, Georgia. One of those teams is going to lose. And if Ohio State wins out and then wins the Big Ten, I don't see any scenario in which the selection committee is ever leaving the Buckeyes out of the playoff in that situation. With a one-loss Ohio State Big Ten champion is going to get into the playoff. However... Which leads me to this point, my friend. <laughs> the Buckeyes take on Iowa today, which seems to play to the level of their competition as it evidenced by the game against Penn State. And this one in Iowa City, not at night, but late afternoon. You know, how does this one play out? Is this one team that the Buckeyes really can't afford to look past here? Yeah, it's it's a scary situation. I mean, I, I never whenever I've got a lot on the line, I don't like going to Iowa City. <laughs> if, if I'm a team with a lot to lose, as we saw earlier this year, it nearly got Penn State. I would not be surprised at all if today proves to be, you know, a lot more difficult for Ohio State than some people are thinking. I mean, this is we're looking at Ohio State with the possibility of after having that big comeback win last week to get past Penn State, there's always a letdown possibility. And Iowa on defense, you know, they they've shown if they could they were able to slow down Penn State's offense. If you could slow down Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley for most of sixty minutes, you could probably you know, slow down Ohio State a bit as well. The, the key will be, is Iowa able to do enough on offense against this team to really give itself a chance to win? So that's the one thing I'm looking for. The Hawkeyes are going to need to be able to run the ball, and they're probably going to need a couple big plays in the passing game to have a legitimate shot at beating Ohio State today. Talk with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com as we take a closer look inside the Big Ten Conference. You can follow him on Twitter, and I highly suggest you do, at Tom Fernelli. Uh, now we know why Urban Meyer has been adamant about sticking with J.T. Barrett. He certainly made his coach look good in the fourth quarter last week. Yeah, Barrett, you know, that was the thing. Barrett had been putting up, you know, fantastic numbers for the last month. It was just 
Ohio State had been playing, you know, not not exactly the stiffest of competition over the time. So it was it was really difficult to figure out whether Bear had truly turned the corner and gone back to the same player we saw a few years ago when Ohio State won a national title or if he was just taking advantage. And then last week, I think, is the proof. It, this is a very good player. JT Barrett all of a sudden is back in that Heisman consideration for legitimately – and he had an amazing fourth quarter against Penn State, completed every single pass, had the three touchdown passes, just really in a time where Ohio State could have possibly folded because they, the way that that game started was just the worst start possible. It's Saquon Barkley returning the kick for a touchdown, and then Ohio State fumbling the ball and giving it right back. And all of a sudden, you know, before you've blinked, you're down two scores. That was a situation where, you know, things something that they could go one of two ways. You either say, listen, you know, we've got a long way to go and we can still win this game, or you just completely fall apart. And JT Barrett, besides just the performance he had, made sure that team did not fall apart and made sure that Buckeyes knew that, you know, there's a long way to go. They're still a really good team and they could win the game. And that's exactly what they did. The fourth quarter came around and they played their best football of the day exactly when they needed to. And JT Barrett was out in front leading the way. You know, we saw Derrick Henry win the Heisman a couple of years ago with a big November. Was last week just the beginning for Barrett? I think so, because, I mean, in a way, Quan Barkley's Heisman campaign took a nosedive last week. It was it was so strange because you know when he let that game off with the kick return, you're like, oh man, hand him the Heisman yep. now, you know. And then, but then Ohio State pretty much bottled him up the rest of the day. He had a couple other big plays. He had the other touchdown, but it's just rushing wise, he wasn't really able to get much going on the ground. And JT Barrett has the huge day. So in, it's hard to say, but in a way, you feel like Barrett passed up Barkley last week because at the end of the year, Barkley's going to have amazing stats, but. Penn State's probably not going to win the Big Ten at this point. They're most likely not going to the playoff, and they're going to say, you know, in the biggest game, he had a he had a rough day outside that kick return. So he's got a lot of people. He's going to lose a lot of votes because of that. So I feel like at this point, despite the se- the entire seasons that they've had, I think Barrett's got a better chance of winning the Heisman than Barkley does right now. Talking with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com as we take a closer look inside the Big Ten, and you can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. Is Brandon Peters the answer for Michigan now on its third quarterback of the season? <laughs> I'm sure Jim Harbaugh is hoping so. It's you know it's it's a weird situation. You know, Wilton Spade obviously got hurt without John O'Corn comes in and really doesn't do much of anything to improve what was going on in the offense. And Brandon Peters, I think he gives a little hope. You know, it's there's they when he came in last week, he seemed to provide a bit of a spark to get things going. And I feel like if there's any good news. It's that he's coming in at a portion of the schedule where he's got a couple weeks to really. I think this was the right time to make the move if you're going to make it because, you know, Minnesota's not an easy team, but it's a, it's a much more at home against Minnesota is a much more simpler, easier task with a week to prepare and get ready for it. And then next week you get Maryland on the road, which is you know dealing with a bunch of injuries of its own and it's kind of you know trending down right now. And then the final two weeks of the season are obviously Wisconsin and Ohio State, which are huge. So I think it's good to get Brandon Peters these two weeks to maybe get into the rhythm, get into the flow. And the good news is for Michigan, honestly, the passing game really can't get any worse than it has been all year. So really all Peters can do is, is take you, you know, to improve the offense. So there's nowhere to go but up. So I, I think it could be a good move for Michigan going forward. We take a closer look inside the Big 12 with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Tom Fernelli. How much has this conference changed over the last couple of years with defense now being the calling card to success, whether it's TCU, Iowa State, even Texas defense has been good as well? It's, you know, in a way, it's defense has always been huge in the Big 12 because for years, 
the teams that were winning the conference, you know, whether it was Oklahoma or Texas or TCU, whoever, was always the team with the best defense. You know, we, we talked about the offense in the conference for obvious reasons, but it was always that one team in the conference that actually played defense who ended up winning the conference. And now, as you said, we're seeing it this year where all of a sudden more teams have developed strong defenses. And you look at the top of the conference right now, and there are four teams tied for first place at four and one in the Big 12 with Iowa State, TCU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. And Texas, with an excellent defense, which has been playing phenomenal for the last month, I think that's one of the more overlooked stories in the Big 12 this year. They're a game behind at three and two. And the offenses are still there. They're still very potent. It's just I think that teams we've seen have put more of a focus on defense, and it's leading to this, to where we're seeing this race in the Big 12. It's honestly, November is going to be insane in the Big 12, just watching this race down the stretch the last four weeks with all these teams that are still in it fighting for those top two spots to get to the Big 12 championship. And I think, you know, it's, it starts today with Bedlam between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Which leads me to this point. Does Oklahoma not only need a win today, but also to win big to remain in playoff contention? I don't think it needs to win big. I, I think that a win over, you know, the number 11 team right now, Oklahoma State, on the road, I wouldn't be surprised if that alone bumps Oklahoma into the top four next week, no matter what happens above them, because that would give them wins on the road over both Ohio State and Oklahoma State, and that's going to impress the committee. Those are two wins that might be considered better than Clemson's two wins, particularly if Virginia Tech loses to Miami on Saturday. So I don't think it needs to win big. Obviously, winning big helps. You know, it's, it's always better to impress. If you win by 31, whether they want to admit it or not, it's human nature to be more impressed by a 30-point win than it is a 7-point win, no matter what anybody wants to tell you. So it, it certainly helps the case, but I think that a win over Oklahoma State this week, no matter what the score is, would greatly improve Oklahoma's playoff hopes. And I think the, on the flip side of the coin, a win over Oklahoma for, for Oklahoma State, we could see the Cowboys jump up quite a few spots mm-hmm. because they're right now, they're outside the top 10 despite the fact that they're off to a very good start, but they really need that signature resume win to get that respect from the committee. We saw two Heisman candidates go head-to-head last week in JT Barrett and Saquon Barkley in the Big 12. Today, obviously, you have the two quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield. You know, how do you handicap that race as, as they look to stay in the hunt? Is You know, uh, Baker Mayfield could go down as the first guy to be in the Heisman voting t- in the top four in three years and not win it. Yeah, I, I it's you know, Baker puts up video game numbers every single season. It's like you, you don't even realize what's happening as the year goes on. It's just then at the end of the year, you look at his stats and it's like, oh, okay, 4,000 yards. He completed 70-something percent of his passes and he had 40 touchdowns. You know, it's, they're, they're ridiculous stats. And he's, he, I think he's definitely going to be a Heisman finalist no matter what again this year because he's going to continue putting up those numbers. But as far as his chances to win, I think him and Mason Rudolph are pretty much tied to it in the fact that Unless their team wins the Big 12 and gets to the playoff, they're probably not going to win the Heisman Trophy at this point. But if they do win their conference and get to the playoff, then I think both of them have an excellent chance because they're both going to have great numbers. They're both going to be quarterbacks on really good teams. And as we've seen through voting history, quarterbacks with great numbers on really good teams tend to do well in Heisman votes. Mike Gundy is 2-10 and 10 against Oklahoma. Big game Bob is gone. Lincoln Riley now running the show, who might just be just as good, if not better. But why have the Sooners owned them? I, You know, I think it's mostly been for the last, since Gundy's been there for, you know, this is the 13th meeting. Oklahoma's, like we discussed earlier, Oklahoma's had the better defense. 
Oklahoma, when these two teams have met, has been the one team that's been able to put the clamps down on an Oklahoma State offense that's been potent throughout Gundy's tenure there. But as we've seen the last couple of years, you know, Oklahoma State had a very good defense last year. It has a good defense this year. And the one thing that concerns me if I'm Oklahoma is they've tightened it up a bit in recent weeks. But that secondary has been problematic for the Sooners all season against passing teams. And I think that with James Washington and with Mason Rudolph in this Oklahoma State offense, we could see those problems arise yet again on Saturday. And I think that's going to be the most interesting thing. I, I'm expecting kind of a shootout here. Strangely enough, we've spent so much time talking about the defenses. I have a feeling this is going to be kind of a last team with the ball wins kind of game. It's going to be one of those back and forth tennis matches. It's going to be Bedlam. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think, you know, honestly, I, I, I think it's going to come down to if, if any defense could just make a big play at some point in this game to maybe turn the momentum around. I think that's what it's going to come down to. I just feel like these two teams are that evenly matched this year. And I think that, you know, this this is a good chance for Gundy to get, get a third win against the Sooners. We take a closer look inside the Big 12 and have a few laughs with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com. And you could always not only follow him on Twitter, but get a couple of chuckles as well, at Tom Fernelli. You know, Tom, the Matt Campbell bandwagon is getting crowded very quickly. And I know Iowa State's a tough place to win consistently, but so was Kansas State when Bill Snyder got there. As the coaching carousel starts to heat up, do you think there's any of that Bill Snyder in him where he might just stay at Iowa State and you know for a long, long time? I don't. I don't know if he'll stay as long as Bill Snyder stayed at Kansas State. I just. I. I have. You know. There's a lot of talk about Matt Campbell leaving this year. You know, because Iowa State's having such a good start. I don't know if he's going to leave this offseason. I think you know if you look around at the jobs that are most likely to come open. I don't know if there's a job to me that screams you know Matt Campbell. I think, like, you know, he's been mentioned for Tennessee, but I don't know if, you know, he's from Ohio. He spent his entire coaching career in the Midwest, in Ohio, and now in Iowa. You know, I don't know if going to the SEC is really something he's interested in, particularly at Tennessee, where, as we've seen, the expectations are ridiculously high no matter who you are. So I don't know what job comes open this winter to take Matt Campbell away from Iowa State. Now, next winter, if he has another season like this where the Cyclones are competing for a Big 12 title, Maybe that changes, but this year I think Iowa State fans could probably, you know, be, sleep a little easy. I, I think he's going to stay in, in Ames for at least one more season. And how about the story of Kyle Kemp? The Cyclones have yet to lose a game since he took over in an emergency as the starting quarterback. Yeah, it's it's, it's been. I mean, what 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 about Iowa State this year hasn't been remarkable? Whether it's Kemp or just the team in general, where. They you know beat comes in beats Oklahoma beats Texas Tech on the road beats TCU last week in a fourteen to seven game it's just what, did not see that coming but it's just it's it's everything about the Cyclones this year has been just it's a phenomenal story and it's really fun to watch and if you look at the rest of the schedule you know today includes a tough road trip to West Virginia and then you get Oklahoma State next week and your inclination your gut instinct is to think okay it's they're going to lose one of these games but at the same time you've been thinking that all season long. And they keep winning these games, so it's like I, I, I'm at the point where I'm just kind of waiting for, you know, Iowa State to keep winning these games and proving everybody wrong. Yeah, it's been incredible. There are two losses to Iowa in overtime by three, and to Texas uh, by seven. You know, last week obviously TCU comes up short, and we've talked about Kenny Hill. You know, is last Saturday's loss on him, or did he just credit a good Iowa State defense? I think it's probably a mixture of both. I mean. I, I don't want to put it all on Kenny Hill. I think that would be very unfair. But he did have, you know, kind of a 
he had kind of, I don't know, <laughs> maybe a Kenny Hill relapse game would be the way to put it, where he wasn't at his best. He was the same kid that we'd seen in previous years that got TCU's offense in trouble. But I'm not, I'm not ready to sit there and think that it was all his fault. I mean, obviously, when, when you score only seven points, the quarterback's going to get looked at. But there was, you know, the offensive line really was not doing anybody many favors at all last week. And Iowa State's defense just played phenomenal. So, I'm not sure how many points any, you know, Oklahoma scores in that game last week or Oklahoma State or any other Big 12 offense is scoring in that game last week with if their offensive line plays the way the TCU's did last week. So, I wouldn't put it all on him, but then again, at the same time, when he had chances to make plays, he wasn't making them. So I, I think it goes a little both ways. you got to give the Iowa State defense credit. You have to give some blame to Kenny Hill and that TCU offensive line. And how does TCU bounce back tonight against a, a very good Texas defense? It's it's going to be difficult because, as we discussed, this Texas defense has been playing lights-out football pretty much for the last month. And, you know, we've seen, you know, if, if TC's offensive line does not play better today, Texas has seen now, you know, it's, it's got film. It, it has an idea of what it can do to slow down this TCU offense. And it's it's going to be a difficult task. I do expect the Horned Frogs to bounce back, at least have a, a much better performance than what we saw last week. Now, whether that means they win, I don't know, because Texas is still a very good team as well. So it, it's going to be a very interesting game to watch tonight. And I expect TCU to play a lot better than it did last week. I just don't know if that means it's going to get the victory. Tommy, great to have you back. Enjoy the games today. We'll talk next week. My pleasure. I'm glad to be back.